Welcome to the Papa Cast on the links. Now here's your host, Bob Papa. Welcome to another edition of the Papa Cast, the Golf Cast. PGA Tour Champions this week is in Biloxi, Mississippi Gulf Resort Classic, and we're talking with John Cook, longtime member of the PGA Tour Champions. Ten wins on the PGA Tour Champions. John, how are you today? And thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Good, good fun. Nice to be with you. What does it mean to uh, come back to this area? This is the seventh playing the Mississippi Gulf Resort Classic and uh, sort of the energy that comes with being on the bayou. It's just that. It's, uh, it's a great place to be, great place to spend some time. You get uh, beautiful uh, vistas, beautiful uh, views outside the hotel rooms and all. But uh, you get to the golf course, and it's one of our best golf courses we play all year. Fallen Oak is an outstanding golf course. Tom Fazio designed one of the tougher ones that we play, and uh, it really challenges every part of your game. So it's a great place to be and also get challenged at the same time. What is it about this golf course that creates the unique challenge that you face this week? A little bit of the weather. You never know what the weather is going to be. But uh, I, I think just the design, um, Tom Fazio makes it uh, you know, visually intimidating off of a lot of tees. Uh, but he shapes the golf hole. You, you know exactly where you're supposed to be going. Uh, but he challenges you uh, as far as putting the ball in the fairway, putting the ball in play. And then also challenges the second shots into the greens. He, all the approach shots are uh, are uh, very challenging. Uh, it's got some length, uh, great par threes. But uh, it, you uh, you know when you get done playing, if you've broken par, you've played a pretty good round of golf. You've been working really hard on your game, trying to get back to the form that that you had and and picking up ten wins on the PGA Tour Champions. Do you feel that you're close to getting it to where you need it to be? That's interesting. Yeah, I do. I, I feel like I'm very close. I'm starting to strike the ball like I remember. I'm starting to see things that I used to feel. Um, the last two years have been very, very frustrating for me. I haven't hit the golf ball nearly as good as I ever as I did in the past. Uh, it's not from lack of effort. It's just uh, kind of you lose your way sometimes. I got injured in 2014. I broke my back, and it took a long time to get that back. Um, I did win in, in 2014 at Pebble Beach at the first tee, but um, that was maybe a little bit smoke and mirrors. It was uh, maybe just grit and heart, uh, which sometimes you have to have. But uh, last year was uh, a real disappointment. I, I didn't play well at all. I uh, didn't really feel like at any point in time did I play any good at all. This winter I started to get back into some real basics and started to see some things. My results are not there. Uh, but I am seeing some golf shots that I, I remember playing. And I'm starting to strike the ball better. The ball's not curving as much, which is good. Uh, so I feel like I'm on the right track. When you look back at the coming off the injury, too, um, does it cause you to lose some confidence, knowing that as you get a little bit older and now you start to get these injuries, it's slower to recover, and that you might not get it back to where you want it to be? Absolutely. It was 10 weeks of, you know, you can talk to my wife, Jan. She just, she was... Uh, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't happy I was it wasn't fun my rehab is very very slow when you when you break crack a, a bone in your in your rib um, and you tear your intercostal muscles it's it's a slow go and 57 at the time it was getting pretty slow but uh, yeah there was many times I'm going okay what's what's life after golf going to look like well this right here doing nothing not an option I need to I need to focus on something and get involved in something. And, you know, once I came back, I came back too quick. It's like, you know, any any professional athlete, you want to get back as fast as you can. I should have waited another 
three or four weeks probably, and I might have been okay. Just got into some bad habits when I started back playing or started back swinging, and I haven't gotten out of them until just uh, just recently. So it, it, it was a process. But, uh, yeah, you just you wonder, you know, at 58 now, is, is, that, is this the time? Or do I still love the game? Am I still in love with the game? Like my wife said last year, she said, we know you love the game. But are you in love with playing the game? I went, no. No, I really wasn't last year because I was playing so poorly. Um, but I'm starting to f- see things. I'm starting to gain a little bit more confidence uh, and trust. And when that comes back, I'll, 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 be, uh, I'll be back to ready, ready to compete. You've also dabbled in television. I mean, you do a lot of stuff on Morning Drive on Golf Channel. You're working out at events now and getting an opportunity to do that. Is that part of the John Cook plan of trying to figure out what is next in case you do not fall back in love with playing the game as opposed to loving the game? It is. And, yeah, quite frankly, Bob, this opportunity came a couple years ago, and I know that this window can be short if you don't take advantage of this opportunity. It's not going to be there. There's plenty of guys and ladies that can fill roles in the television world of golf. Um, I had a nice opportunity. I took it. It's been an interesting combination of trying to balance golf and television. But I love the game so much that I wanted to continue in this. I wanted to continue in the broadcasting. I wanted to continue in television because I do love it so much, and I want to talk about it, and I want to, I want to relay my experiences. And my experience in playing you know, competitive tournament golf uh, and winning golf tournaments and uh, this was a great opportunity for me. So, yeah, I am winding down my golf schedule, but I still love to play. And I'm learning more about the television side. And so I'm eager to learn something new that's going to take me into life after golf, you know, and, and perhaps into, you know, my retirement years. So uh, I had to take advantage of this opportunity. I'm having a blast. I'm learning great, great things from, you know, like people like yourself, Bob, and, and uh the, the the crew at Morning Drive have been great to me, so I'm I'm learning, I'm, I'm kind of learning learning on the job. <laughs> Do you also can you also take what you're while you're learning on the job in a new profession as you watch and work in the field of golf and as a broadcaster? Can you take some of that to your game? I feel like I can because now I'm starting to see things I used to feel and you know, walking the fairways and talking about shots and strategy and options. Um, I got very one-dimensional in my game the last couple of years because I just didn't have any confidence or trust of what I was doing. Now I'm starting to see things again, like I, like I said, like I used to feel. And I think that uh, it's going to help uh, quite a bit when I get back out and, and play in, in Biloxi and, and play at Fallen Oak. Uh, hopefully I can transition that into some good play, but I'm starting to see and feel things I used to, and that, that's a good sign for me. All right, let's transition to the beginning. Uh, a kid growing up in Ohio uh, and going to Ohio State, uh, wh- what was that like? And, and how'd you wind up at Ohio State? Because you were a very talented amateur player, and there, you had some options. Yeah, I had a lot of options, and uh, my father was a – I was born in Toledo – um, my father was a high school football coach out of out of college. He went to Denison, played football, went to Ohio State Graduate School, was a graduate assistant uh, under Woody uh, early, and then we moved to uh, Toledo where I was, or they moved to Toledo where I was born, and he was a high school football coach. So we kind of followed his little 
path. Uh, he had gotten back to Ohio State, was uh, an assistant coach there, went up to Akron, uh, was assistant head coach under Gordon Larson at Akron University. Um, felt like this wasn't going to provide enough for his family, so he took a job with Firestone. Firestone moved us all out to California, so my really second grade through high school was it was California. Always had those Ohio ties, always, you know, bled scarlet and gray. You know, dad on, on the weekends, you know, if Ohio State was close, we'd go to games, we'd go to Rose Bowls, we'd go to, you know, whatever games we could go to. Um, so when the opportunity came around, I was getting recruited by a bunch of schools, and I went back for my visit um, to Ohio State. You know, that uh, really, they really welcomed me as part of the family because dad was part of that family and you could f- kind of feel the energy around campus and around town of what athletics and sports means to the town of Columbus um, so after you know a lot of you know back and forth UCLA Arizona State and between and, and Ohio State um, I, I would get letters from you know Jack Nicholas I'd get a phone call from Tom Weiskopf I said ma'am that's done deal done deal these people care so much about their school that these guys are calling me and, and writing me letters and keeping in contact. I went, man, this, I want to be part of this. Do you still have them all? I have them somewhere. I'm sure my mom's got them in a box somewhere, and, and uh, I've got a lot of letters from some great people. I got a great note from Bobby Knight one time. I got a great note from you know, a couple from Byron Nelson and um, – you know, with Venturi being you know my my mentor for all my all my years, um, he didn't think it was a great decision, but he accepted it as part of you know my growing and learning. And if I wanted to grow and learn and play golf, I had to get out of the dome of Southern California and go somewhere where you know what things aren't you know it's it's, it's not eighty degrees and perfect all the time. You got to learn how to play in some different conditions on different golf courses and. Uh, so I, I really uh, cherish that experience. Where'd the passion for the sport come? Um, your dad was a football coach. Obviously, uh, golf's a little bit different than football. But where, where did the passion start to burn inside of you when you realized that you really wanted to work at this because this is what you potentially could do someday? Well, I got exposed to it uh, when dad got up to Akron and took a job with Firestone. Uh, employees of Firestone could join Firestone Country Club for $300 a year, full membership, everybody. And he put us, my sister Kathy and me, into little the little junior program. And I got exposed to golf that way. He would then, when the CBS Golf Classic, American Golf Classic, PGAs, whatever was going on at Firestone, he was always involved in doing whatever he was going to be doing. And he would take me to the golf course and he'd give me five, $5 and put me on the driving range, and I would watch all these great players just hit golf balls all day long. And I really developed you know, a real passion for it then, just watching these great players, wondering, hey, someday maybe I'll get a chance to do this. Well, in the meantime, you know, while playing golf, of course, my dad, I, had, I was in football, I was in basketball, I raced some motorcycles, I did everything you should be doing in Southern California, um, and you know, expanding what you do as a person and my folks just you know made sure that I kept playing all my sports and um and not just stick to one uh golf then it just kind of got I got better and better at golf at each level I didn't peak out at 12 or 13 or 15 I kept getting better and I think 
Um, I think being involved in basketball and football helped that growth of learning your game and trying to get to those next levels. Obviously, I wasn't going to be 6'5 and you know, shoot the three, but I could, I could run the court, and I wasn't going to be, you know, I wasn't going to be Doug Plank or, you know, Chuck Cecil as, as a safety. So um, I then just kind of got golf just on my mind and, and just kept getting better. Uh, Venturi really got me to that point. He, as my body grew, we just kind of kept growing with my golf and my golf swing. And, you know, by 18, I was pretty much a finished project. You know, when you hear guys talk about uh, the college golf experience, everybody talks about it so fondly, everybody that came from uh, these big programs. Obviously, you played at Ohio State, and your team had tremendous success. What, when you think back to that experience, what are the first things that jumped to mind? It was a great team, and the, just the environment in, in Columbus around Ohio State just because you were a golfer didn't mean you were you know, like over here. You were, you know, we were in the athletic dorms. We were at training table. We went to um, the study hall, study table with everybody. And it just felt like you were a big family. Um, and that resonated down into the golf team where we were all really good players. And we gelled as a team because everybody on our team played team sports and excelled or excelled at team at, at at team sports. So we knew we were really good individually. And our coach, Coach Jim Brown, uh, kind of took that passion of all of our um, experiences in sports and made it into that team concept. You take care of this. You take care of this, and this team will gel. And that's why we were successful being a you know midwestern team in Columbus. We played a really nice schedule against all the top teams, and they were wondering why they we kept winning and because we were really good and we were really good as a unit and that's uh that's where coach you know coach brown took all of our experiences as team players and and molded it into a golf team why is it that guys that win individual ncaa championships um always talk about it's more important if their team won it feels it feels like in golf that's really the big carrot as opposed to the individual. It's great to say that a guy's an individual, and it's a great thing to have on the resume, but it always feels like guys would say, I'll trade my individual for the team win any day. And that's just it. It was, I got recruited to Ohio State to be a part of the Ohio State University golf team. Um, And that was known from the day that we stepped on campus to orientation that this was the golf team. This wasn't the golfer. (laughs) It was the golf team. It was all about that. He, uh, Coach Brown recruited kids around that to make it a team. And that winning that NCAA uh, championship, team championship in 1979 is one of the greatest thrills of my, my life. It's just to see these guys run across the green after making a putt and knowing what this meant, you know, it still gives you goose, goosebumps just to, to see these guys going across the green as a team, as the NCAA champions. We won. We beat everybody in the country. Um, and that's what we went to school for. You know, you, you went on the PGA Tour. I mean, you didn't, you didn't break in easy. I mean, your first two wins are playoffs, but you took down a couple giants in winning to start your career. It, you didn't exactly ease your way into a pro career as far as starting to win. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. Um, 
you know, after being successful in college, you know, juniors in college and, and amateur golf and, you know, winning about everything I could in, in amateur golf and then stepping into the pro tour, I'm newly married. We've got a baby on the way. It's 1980. We're traveling in a car. We're just, you know, Jan and I are, we're just, Hey, we're just two kids out <laughs> on the PGA tour. Here we go. Um, and that, uh, first year was, it was okay. It was learning. We played just about every week you could. Uh, the next year, uh, started out decently and got to Pebble Beach and won in a playoff over Bobby Clampett, Ben Crenshaw, Hale Irwin, and, and Barney Thompson. Um, so you know, a couple of Hall of Famers in there. And then my second win was in Canada against Johnny Miller, and we beat Jack Nicklaus by a shot. So um, I was kind of thrown right into the arena. Uh, but I was ready for it. I was prepared. I, I felt like my game um, certainly was uh, tour-ready. I wasn't a long hitter, but I could strike a golf ball. Uh, I hit a lot of greens. I had a decent short game, um, and I was a competitor. I, I, I'd love to beat people, and I think that that showed me that you know I, I'd had that will to to win and and beat anybody. I was never afraid of anybody. Is that maybe from the football upbringing, having your dad as a football coach, where you had that sort of tenacity that you like to compete? I mean, because those are some names that you're going against in these playoffs. I mean, that's a who's who. And there was no back down from you. Between uh, my dad and, and his coaching experience and his discipline and, you know, his message to me as, you know, a role model and a, and a father and also with Ken Venturi and his knowledge of the game and, and how you reach your potential and when you reach your potential, how you sustain it um, and how you, uh, how you compete. We didn't work on golf swing that often. We worked on competing. We worked on playing golf. Uh, my father's influence was just that, was as a coach. Uh, you practice how you play. You practice with purpose. You practice with uh, tenacity. You practice, um, you just don't go out and walk through the motions, no matter if it was football, basketball, or golf. Um, you practice with purpose. And uh, Venturi was the same way. So I was I was prepared when I got in those situations. I didn't convert everything, but I converted a lot of opportunities. little side tour here on the podcast uh, before we get back to some more golf. This love of heavy rock and roll, heavy metal rock, where did that come from? Oh, that's a Southern Cal thing. And, and my dad would cringe when he'd come into my room and I had Hendrix playing and I had Clapton and, and Cream playing and... Uh, I just have been a, a guitar guy for since I was a kid for some reason, and you know, as I'm not just like an old school rocker. I will get into you know new the new rock bands, the new rock and roll bands, not you know the the fluff of the top forty. Although you know, there's hey, there's room for all that. But uh, I love different genres of music. I am not a musician. I am a hack, but I love music, and I I get to understand it and and. Uh, being in uh, being into rock and roll, I, I can expand my field a little bit instead of keeping it so small. Um, I just enjoy music, and uh, it uh, it's a way to kind of just chill in the evenings and maybe get a little pumped up when you you get to the golf course. You have a good song on, kind of get your blood flowing a little bit. I don't need a lot of coffee, but if I have a good song ready to go, uh, if that song is on when I um, when I leave the car, I'm I'm ready to go play. All right, so what's a go-to song for you when you get to the golf course to really get you going? Is there one or two go-to songs? 
Yeah, there's a few, a uh, few different bands that I'll listen to just depending on my mood. There's, uh, um, you know, kind of more alternative rock stuff like a 311 or new bands called Highly Suspect or, or Royal Blood. Uh, Royal Blood, there you go. I mean, that, you want to get pumping, you can get pumping with that. But then it's old school stuff too. Um, Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, uh, a lot of Eric Clapton, a lot of Van Halen. Uh, I got to know Eddie Van Halen fairly well through the years as he got into golf. He got... You know, we uh, we became friends, so um, it's just kind of the mood. My playlist is pretty pretty diverse as far as rock and roll goes. So, um, you know, a lot of Rush, you know, just a lot of good good guitar work. You know, I, when I hear good guitar work, Joe Bonamassa, a blues rock. Um, I, I just I, I love listening to those guys because they're so good at what they do, and they're part of a team too. So, I mean, you kind of get that. Does that kind of keep you fresh, keep you young in the fact that, all right, so most people would look at John Cook and they'd say, all right, he's a guy, he's late 50s, he's a rocker, and you would have, you know, the the posters on the wall, so to speak, of all the classic ones. But the fact that you're willing to dabble in the newer stuff and test new things, does that speak to who John Cook is as a person, the fabric within? Absolutely, completely. And... I like to keep growing, and I might be 58, but I don't feel 58. I feel, you know, in my 40s. I feel like, you know, I feel healthy, and I feel like I have a lot of energy, um, and I think that that's exactly what it is, is uh, I'm I'm not afraid to, you know, go into, I don't need to stay in that same little place. I can expand a little bit more, um, so... Thank God for XM Radio, right, and, and Sirius XM, because, you know, they've got such great music and and uh and and great variety um so i kind of go through those channels and pick out stuff that i like and if it's new i'll listen to it if i like it i'll go buy it and i'll go try to go see them i'll uh we have a, a fun little uh week weekend planned in a couple of weeks we take our oldest daughter and her husband my wife and i and we go to coachella the, the festival music festival just to see these great bands um, and we have a blast. So we, we're trying to stay young, <laughs> and that's kind of our way is to stay relevant and, and, uh, and just expand your, your uh, genres a little bit. I want to go back to uh, the professional golfing component of this for you. Um, you know, look, you've accomplished a lot. You won on the PGA Tour champions. You won on the PGA Tour. You knocked down guys in playoffs. There's many athletes that play sports. Uh, whether it's Don Mattingly in baseball, who was a great player but never won a World Series, or Dan Marino, the guy in the NFL. Where do you put that in your mind when it comes to the majors? Because you were there, and you had some opportunities and, and some near misses. Yeah, it's uh, very disappointing to me. It's frustrating. Um, it's, a, it's a black mark on my, my resume. Um, I'm very proud of what I've done. I've, I've won a lot of golf tournaments won some big golf tournaments and I, w- I was there a number of times you know at the players I was there a number of times I was you know right in the hunt at, at all the major championships and never never got over that hump uh it do- it leaves a- an emptiness there's no doubt and, and I'll be quite honest it's um I don't feel like my career is complete because I did not win a, a professional major um I had my opportunities uh and I just didn't close. I didn't close the door. You know, I had my hands on those trophies uh, and let them slip off. And that uh, is very frustrating. And every 
every year when the major seasons come around or the major championships come around, I go, God, man, if I'd have just done this, I'd have had a green jacket. Or if I'd, you know, <clears throat> made one more putt at the Open Championship, you know, I'd have had a you know, claret jug, a um, couple shots out of a playoff in, at the U.S. Open. And, you know, what could I have done down the stretch? The PGA, four, four years in a row, I was right there. Um, but didn't quite do it. So those are, you know, those are disappointing. And those are experiences, although bad, I took with me. And after each one of those, I played well because, you know, I wanted to, you know, I just had an experience. I want to turn that into something good. Um, but uh, I, <clears throat> those are things I, I won't ever forget. Even the, the, the senior majors, I've been in playoffs and missed, um, had leads and missed. And it's uh, very frustrating. Does it surprise you? Um, we, you know, you have the game, but considering your mentality and that competitor that exists within you, and the fact that your first two wins are you've got Hall of Famers that you're beating as a young player out on tour, that that didn't kick in and didn't push you over the top in certain instances. Yeah, and because uh, you weren't a shrinking violet as a player, right. I mean that you know it's not like you had a career of backing down. So it, it makes it even more of a conundrum, doesn't it? I think so, yeah. And I, I, those are the questions that, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, why didn't I close the door on those? I closed it, you know, against you know, Tom Watson at the Byron Nelson. I closed it against Johnny Miller and Jack Nicklaus. You know, why in these major championships did I get to the end and not cross the finish line? Um, hard to put a... Hard to put a thought on it. I, I really don't know. It's something that uh, Venturi and I talked a lot about. And so you just get yourself there. It's going to happen. But you can't. I, I think more for me as I look back on those, um, I didn't let it come to me. I tried to go grab it. And I, I would play your way in and get yourself in that position. And being so competitive and aggressive, I wanted to slam the door. I want this is going to be it. And maybe I got a little bit too aggressive. Um, as I look back, a lot of those uh, near misses were, were just that, that um, either the last hole or one of the last holes, I, I got too aggressive with a, with a putt or got too aggressive with a tee shot, took too aggressive a line, um, and it cost me. So um, that was yeah, looking back, that was probably it. My competitive got me there, but it also maybe you know, got me too aggressive to the finish line. The relationship with Ken Venturi, um, and as he guided you over the course of your career, what were one or two things that just always stuck with you about the man? We worked on the same things every single session. There was no, hey, let's try this. Hey, you know, I was thinking about this. Let's try this. There was none of that. It was grip stance posture. You know, it... Everything, you know, every every session, I've got scorecards and notepads of the same notes in a, in a shoebox. Um, that and just his his trust. He he knew that I wanted to learn. I was a quick learner. I was a fast learner, um, and I was never going to question him. Uh, he's Ken Venturi. Well, who am I to question this? Um, he learned from Byron Nelson and Ben Hogan. That's a pretty good pedigree. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna listen to this guy. Uh, whatever he says, I, I bought into. And we played a lot of golf. We, well, he could still play, 
um, the middle 70s, late 70s, early 80s, and uh, Kurt Byram can attest to it. Uh, you know, we'd go down, and and we he, Kenny would have me go, you know, just warm up, um, and then we'd go play, and we'd go round and round. We'd play 27, 36, 45 holes a day of just playing golf and and talking about situations and hitting certain golf shots on the golf course, not on the driving range, not on the practice tee, uh, but on the golf course. And that's what I loved to go see him was we're going to go play golf. I'm not going to stand there and beat thousands of balls. He says, you're not going to get any better. You're really good. You're not going to get that much better by just hitting golf balls. You're going to get better by going and playing golf. So we played. Um, Kurt would join us as well. And that was kind of the, the message that he had instilled in us is, you know, if you need to work on something, go work on something. You know, we'll take a look. It'll take you three swings. We'll be back in form, and now we're going to go play golf and put it on the golf course. Do you think that's one of the problems today with uh, people that are trying to get better at the game, whether it's guys at the elite level or it's the guy listening right now, is that you can't create <clears throat> stances and, and shots that you're going to face on a practice area. I mean, a lie under the tree where you got to figure out how to hit a knockdown shot. I, I could speak to experience on that stuff. But seriously, uh, creating shots you cannot replicate on a practice tee. You can only replicate it on a golf course while playing. Because the practice tee is a controlled environment, you have a perfect lie. You know what the wind is doing. Um, you get another try. You know, that's not the way golf is. You know, if you are working on something in mechanics or you're working on trying to get your clubs right or whatever you're trying to do, hey, that's okay. Go hit some balls. If you're going to practice a lot, go to the practice green and practice putting and practice chipping and, you know, around those. That, that's where you're going to save shots for the guys listening at home. But um, for anybody, uh, I'm lucky. I have time to go play golf. That's, that's my job. Um, but I would try to get out on the golf course and play as many golf holes as you can, as often as you can, because that's where you learn different lies, different winds, adjusting to different conditions, rain coming in, wind picking up, laying down, um, rough lies, flyer lies, fluffy lies. You can't practice that unless you're on the golf course. All right. I like to shift gears here now as we wrap things up. Uh, I'll hit you with a couple of thoughts. Give me your Give me your quick answers. Boxers or briefs? Oh, how about compression shorts? <laughs> you're, you're speaking to your age again. I thought you were. I thought you were keeping young. You're listening to. You're going to see rock bands in Coachella. Now you're giving me compression. Boxers. Boxers. There you go. Um, favorite golf course to play? Oh, I've got a one and a one A, and my one is Cypress Point. Um, lucky to play it in our state amateur when I was growing up. Uh, lucky to play it during the Bing Crosby AT&Ts. Uh, I go up there every year and play one round of golf. It's just, it's my heaven. It, it just is. 1A would be Pine Valley. Just a great experience, great golf course, just great environment. Um, we're lucky. We play a lot, a lot of great ones. There's some great ones, you know, worldwide. But uh, those are my two. Favorite non-golf day? Picture a, a day that John Cook gets to just indulge in life that has nothing to do with golf. Really, any time I can get my family together because we have a daughter that lives in Australia with her husband and, and little girl. 
Um, we have a daughter that lives with her husband in San Diego, in La Jolla, and, and our son plays professional golf and travels. So we don't get to see our kids that often. Our kids are grown and gone, so it's Jan and I. So we have, you know, empty nest, but we like being around family. And so any time that we can all get together, this year was in Hualalai. Um, our Aussie family came from, from Byron Bay, Australia. Jason caddied for me. Kristen and Sean um, came. So we had, it was like a little tiny family reunion. So every night was a little family reunion that we don't get to have very often. Okay, final question. Your favorite meal, non-healthy, okay? What's your favorite meal, non-healthy? If you could just sit down and pick, you know what, tonight I'm going to just let it go a little bit, and this is what I'm going for. Fantastic. We're big sushi people, so but that's healthy, so we're going to throw that away. That's a, that's a throwaway. It'd have to be some sort of Mexican, some sort of Southwest Mexican, Spanish, um, just tacos and enchiladas. My wife... God bless her. She makes a, she makes a, we call it uh, Jan's Mexican Fiesta. It's always on Christmas Eve. And she makes great enchiladas and chilrianos and tacos and nachos. And it's just, it's a feast. So anytime we can get to a Mexican food restaurant, Red Onion up in, 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 uh, in Southern California, um, or some great places, uh, um, that's, that's where the indulgence, indulgence goes. All right, so I have a room with your favorite adult beverage, and it, the, uh, the best Mexican food you could possibly eat. <clears throat> it's spread out on a table. I'm going to tell you right now, John Cook, we're going to close the door once you sit down, and you can invite three or four guests from at any point in history. does not have to be a sports figure. could be anybody. Who would you love to sit with? Three, I'll, I'll, three, maybe four if you, if you have another one. Who would you love to sit with? And you knew that it was an open-ended conversation. Um, they're going to reveal everything, any question you ask, and vice versa. No holds barred. It's not getting out. Who would be three people you'd love to invite? Not including my father and Venturi and you know all my great mentors and role models. Um, Family, of course, would love to have in there. But if I'm going to go with you know three or four, I'd love to pick Ronald Reagan's brain. Um, I would love to pick uh, uh, Eric Clapton. Would love to have him sit in and just chat about music. Um, I was a big fan of Bjorn Borg. Uh, I loved the way he went about his business. He didn't say much. He just beat people. Love to pick his brain. Um, so I mean, th- those would probably be the three that I would have in there. So that's where those gold chains from earlier in your career come from. You were channeling the Borg look. I had the hair. I had the hair, too. It was all over the place. It was, if I could have worn a headband like Bjorn Borg did, I would have done that. You cringe sometimes when you see those pictures? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Now, I only wore glasses for a very short period of time, but it seems that most of those early pictures of me in my early part of my career always have those glasses on. Well, I, those were, those were short lived. I end up getting into contacts and after that. So, um, but, uh, yeah, pretty much he was, uh, I just love the way he went about his business. Awesome stuff. John Cook, we appreciate the time. Good luck this week. And thank you so much for joining us here on the Papa cast. Had a blast. My pleasure. John Cook in the latest edition of the Papa cast, the golf cast.